birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Ginny. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. It's not my birthday. It's the name of the movie we're covering today. My birthday pretty soon, but not yet. When is your birthday again? It's coming up. It's in August, right? Something like that. You're going to be almost 30. Getting there. <laughs> a I long in the tooth. I just love reminding him. Nico, you have any idea how close to 30 you are? Appreciate the reminder. <laughs> nope. I forget sometimes. Yeah. No, well, because I will remind you that you're already, you're already past the age where all of the famous successful people became famous and not successful. Yet. Soon, but not yet. Right? Yeah, I'm not 28 yet. Yeah, I still got time. Ah, well, but early- I think they would have done it by now. I mean, you're pretty deep into the year, but oh, you never know. <laughs> you could get your big break. Who knows? It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I meant die. But yeah. okay, yeah, either could happen. I suppose in the next month. Well, early on. Oh, you're saying if I die now, I will have died a failure that's done nothing with his life. Yeah. Okay. That's comforting. Better than being 28. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, Happy birthday to me is a Jalo movie on the third week of this Jalai. Happy Jalai, everyone. <laughs> Feel like we're one for one so far. Yeah. Let's see if we can turn it around. Let's see if we can save the bit, guys. Oh well, we got a hell of a movie, I would say. The bit is on life support. Yeah. No. No. This. This is. This is. This is gonna help. We got something good here. We are in danger because I, I swear I took notes on this movie and I can't find my notes. Oh, you no. lost the notes? I've lost the notes. Or I maybe never took them to begin with. <laughs> I could just be wrong. <laughs> I have an idea for how we can start this conversation. Okay. Siskel and Ebert did a review of this movie. I'm one of their dogs of the week. Do you have a clip? I do. <gasps> Want to play it? Yes. Yes, I would. My dog this week is yet another mad slasher movie, Happy Birthday to Me, in which a bunch of students mysteriously disappear one by one until there's only one person left who could possibly be the killer. Melissa Sue Anderson stars as a young co-ed who bears a lethal grudge against her parents because of a rotten birthday party her mother gave her as a kid. She talks with a psychiatrist, Glenn Ford, about her problems, but that doesn't help much. Maybe she should have gone to Judd Hirsch and Ordinary People. <laughs> this is a disgusting, needlessly gruesome film full of stabbing, slashing, brain operations, and people being skewered like shish kebab. Seeing it is a total waste of time. It was one happy birthday party where I wanted to make the wish and blow out the projector. Well, so much for the dogs. Now let's take another look at the- Oh, boy. Gene! Uh, Gene. Fucking Gene. And sometimes that guy sounds exactly like Jimmy Stewart. The film is literally about stabbing. <laughs> Fair to say this one's literally about stabbing, boys. Well, if that movie's about stabbing. This movie. This happy movie. birthday to me. It's an American giallo. Actually, it's a Canadian giallo, but Canada's part of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Directed by a man by the name of J. Lee Thompson. Yeah, I know. It was actually like an old Hollywood guy. Yeah, he made Cape Fear. He made the original Cape Fear, not the Scorsese one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made a couple of the, the Planet of the Apes movies, right? He made Conquest and Battle 4, I think. Uh, I have seen both of those. Uh, one is like the most okay Planet of the Apes film ever made, and the other one kind of sucks. Okay. so But nevertheless. He's, he's doing it. He's doing <laughs> he's the thing. Doing Oscar-nominated director. He did Guns and Navarone. He got an Oscar nomination oh, for Best Director for that movie. Wow. A favorite of Tarantino's, as a matter of fact. Oh, interesting. And him and Roger Avery, along with special guest Eli Roth, recently covered this movie, Happy Birthday to Me, on the Video Archives podcast a couple months ago. Is that what made you think of it? No, I didn't discover this until after I, I thought of the idea. So Ooh, okay. It was a nice uh, coincidence there. We're overlapping. We will be sure to pale in comparison to QT's and Roger Avery's opinions on this movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tarantino loves this guy. And... You know, he's kind of long in the tooth at this point in his life, right? Like, this is one of the latter J. Lee Thompson movies. I thought, this is interesting. Here's a guy that never really did horror, 
does this very violent and gruesome slasher in the style of American Jalos. You know, there's there's some gnarly kills in this thing. You know, I usually imagine movies like this being directed by young people, but then you look at all these horror movies that were directed in the 80s were mostly like old, washed up studio guys. Yeah. You know, now you think of them as young people because like those people that watch those movies as kids have grown up and are now making these movies. But sure, sure. It actually used to be an old person's game, these slashers. They were not considered like, you know, the young, hip thing to do. Yeah, it's funny because even Wes Craven, when he made, uh, he wasn't, he was still starting out, but he wasn't like a young guy per se in that. You know, I, I think you think of the uh, John Carpenters, who was like a kid, and then also yes. uh, Sean S. Cunningham, who was also very much a kid when they made those movies. But right. that's, you know, Ridley Scott was not young, young when he made Alien, so yeah. These were not movies that you gave to super successful in their prime auteurs. Listen, I, I, I didn't, like, see any interviews with Jay Lee Thompson after this. Like, I don't know exactly what he thinks of the movie or what mm. he thought of the movie. I think he passed away uh, many years ago. I imagine, though, this was not, like, the highlight of his career when he made it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he was thinking, like, this is the film they will remember me by. Oh, well, frankly, I mean, watching it, it doesn't feel like the highlight of his career either. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I will say, though, I will say you can tell that this is a fucking filmmaker doing this movie. Totally. I mean, this is a movie yeah. that moves and has energy, is really well shot. It, it's so well edited. It's yes. my, my favorite thing about the movie. So I was, I was actually kind of taken aback because I sort of expected it to be very cheap and you know, kind of lazy exploitation film. And in some sense it is. And in other ways, absolutely no, it is not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's pulpy and I think that's the genre. Yes. Say that again. Yeah. Pulpier than a fucking glass of freshly squeezed orange juice. You know, I think this, this screams to me, somebody who understood the assignment. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, amazing. He didn't, he didn't make any, I mean, Let's take a look at the old IMDb. Because he definitely has a certain eye for horror. I will say that. He uh, he made a Charles Bronson movie after this. So, like, he, you know, listen, he was not making, like, top-of-the-line prestige stuff in his day either. Like, the Planet no. of the Apes movies are not. Well, those are the last two of the original series, too. That's yeah, like, it's not like he hadn't been working in B-movies or whatever. Um but yeah, it doesn't look like there are a ton of horror movies. Wow, interesting. On the IMDb, this might have been the first and last. Yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of westerns, a lot of action movies. The last movie he did was called Kinjite. Yeah, another Charles Bronson movie. Oh, okay. That he made in 1989. That was the last movie that he made. Yeah, no, this was really his only foray into horror. It looks like. You can definitely tell it's an action director just by the way it's shot, though. I mean, it is shockingly kinetic for a horror movie. That's the one thing I was really taken aback by. Just lots of dollies and zooms and just the, the camera is always, always moving. It's a Yeah, it's a fast movie in that way. And I was never bored by it. <laughs> Certainly not. For a non, not traditionally a horror director, I mean, it's got some fucking wonderful kills. <laughs> it's got some pretty good kills. But man, yeah, I don't, when, when are we going to start getting into the spoiler territory? Because this is... I think we need to do that right away. Yeah, like, this is impossible. It's a, it's a wacky ass movie. We'd be burying the lead pretty hard if we didn't talk about the ending at the beginning of this podcast. First of all, despite all the praise I just heaped towards it, it is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen in my life. Incredibly dumb. It's just so dumb, this movie. Well, convoluted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when you go back and you think about it, nothing makes any sense. No, it's incredibly intricate and convoluted and also doesn't work. The final reveal of the plan is insane and yes doesn't work at all but also when you think about like who the killer is and where the killer was in certain scenes it's like wait a second wait a second didn't they just kill this person but they're with this person in the very next scene i thought they what there's lots of that where it's like geography doesn't quite work there are a couple of things like for example who pushes virginia into the car Mm. before they drive over the bridge is notable when you look at it in hindsight. I don't even know if that's intentional, to be honest with you. Like, I don't even know if those little clues were left in there. But, okay, here's the backstory, right? So this movie is written with a a more conventional Jalo ending. This ending is Jalo in its own way because of how ridiculous the, the <laughs> killer reveal is. But it is written with a, you know, spirit of the mother takes over the daughter and sends her on a killing spree kind yes. of thing. 
And it does a very good job of convincing you of that. It does, I would say, an excellent job setting up that ending. Let me say something, because I had a very interesting experience with this movie, because my first guess for who the killer was, was who it actually ended up being. That's crazy. But. That's insane. But, 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 but. Uh. As the movie progresses, obviously I, I discarded that. I'm like, oh shit, well, it's de- obviously, it can't be that person. Yeah. It's it's impossible for it to be that person, clearly. Clearly, right? <laughs> So I jumped, I did like a backflip when I, when it was revealed who the killer was. So when you're, when you're saying you knew who the killer was, do you mean actually, like actually you knew who the killer was or do you I didn't, mean- I, no, no, no. I, it was my first guess. I didn't actually, I, it wasn't like the, the previous movie we talked about where I just knew it immediately. It was just like, uh, I guess it could be this person cause it's the person who's closest to, you know, our hero and generally that's who it is. Right. But I didn't know for sure. And that was at the beginning of the movie. I didn't have enough evidence to really put it together. And then the movie goes out of its way to tell you, no, it's definitely not that person, right? And by the end of it, it still doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> but Okay, this is going to sound weird. And it's going to sound much weirder to someone that has not seen the movie or heard us describe the plot of the movie. So apologies to that. But So the movie leads you down one direction so fucking hard. Yes, and they lead you down that direction so hard with like 20 minutes left in the movie. Most of the movie is leading you down that direction. Like they show the person murdering someone. Yes. Right. They show the red herring committing a murder. Yes. With 30 minutes left in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so early and we've seen this so many times, right? Of like, well, this fake out is too early. So clearly it's the red herring. Yeah. Right. That is the nature of all mystery storytelling. I just kept thinking that I'm like. It's so obviously the red herring that I almost started thinking that it wasn't the red herring. I, I, like I, it's like it's almost so ineffective at misleading me <laughs> that it misled me better than any movie has ever misled me before. Well, how could it not? Even even then, even like, if- I bought the red herring so hard because like it's such a stupid way to structure a movie otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even when they finally do the reveal, you're still like, "Wow, I can't believe the movie actually just did that." No, I almost still believe the red herring after they show me the actual killer. <laughs> In a way, yeah. It's really weird because like it happens and I'm like, oh, this is odd that they're revealing the killer this early, but it must be her. There's no other plausible explanation for this. Exactly. Well, that that's the thing. So and I actually thought to myself, this is an odd way of structuring a Jalo movie, but I'm just going to go with it. I thought it was, it's either reverse psychology or I was like, okay, this is just an unconventional. It could Jalo. not have been anyone else with 30 minutes to go. No, I was certain it could not have been anyone else. And it was. Yes. It's so weird. Like, you almost have to see the movie to believe what we're saying. Like, I'm having a hard time articulating it in words. Yeah, no, it's really an experience. It <laughs> one million percent could not have been anyone else. And it was. Uh-huh. It's so weird. Yeah, I had the same experience. Here's why. There's a version of the script that is online. It exists online. It is dated April 1981. Only mere months before the movie was released. Mere months. In that script, the ending is Virginia wielding the knife in front of her father's face, asks him if he would like a slice of cake. That false sort of ending that we see in the movie was the actual ending of the movie in a script that existed mere months before the film's release. They changed it. Unclear. I was not able to track down any consistent version of events, but it would appear like 80% of this movie was shot before the ending was shot and changed radically from the original script. That is in insanity. So <laughs> I, again, I don't know. Maybe I'm spreading fake news and I'm just speculating. I apologize for that, but I don't think they knew what the ending was going to be 80% of the way into filming. I mean, it would make sense. It is one of the most what the fuck endings yes. I've ever seen. I have not been that surprised by an ending like this in quite some time. It's wild, dude. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Now, again, it's it's not like they, they blow up the White House or so, not, nothing like that. It's just it's a character reveal. It's just the most amazing character reveal <laughs> like ever. <laughs> Nick. I loved it. 
<laughs> Fuck yeah. I loved it. No, it's the only like redeemable thing about this movie is the ending, in my opinion. Like it's so bad. Like it's of course it's good. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, the movie just. I mean, again, it got some excellent kills, but that's kind of all it's got going for it. Yes, I'll be honest with you. Even if what you're saying is true, where they just tacked the ending on at the last second, it still makes sense. No, to it a degree. It, don't, don't even it kind of does. No, it fucking doesn't. It makes no sense whatsoever. I don't get it at all. It makes uh, no sense. There are so many scenes, though, earlier in the movie <laughs> where people are like, I don't know. They're like, you were just with me and she doesn't remember it. I mean, it still works as to why she doesn't remember it. God, it's just so leading you one direction and then just drops it. It's not an aha moment. It is a... No, it's a it's a what the fuck moment. It's like right. no movie. No, 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 no. Because n- absolutely and entirely none of it holds up to scrutiny. Not even for half a second. No. It's, it's like, I guess they introduced the prosthetic guy. They set up that he's good at making models of people's faces. Fucking Ethan Hunt couldn't have done a better job with these masks. <laughs> these are the best masks I have ever seen in my life. I had the same thought. I had the same thought. I'm like... In my mind immediately went to Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mask. Oh, my God. Fucking mask! Yeah, okay. So you didn't take notes, Nick. So I, I'll, I'll go through the plot here. Um, and then we'll, we'll get to this thing that we've been talking around. Yeah. But listen, if you are into crazy twist endings and you're into schlocky horror movies to watch with your friends on a Saturday night over a couple beers... I would turn off the podcast, I would watch it, and then I would come back. This will do the trick. This will do the trick. It is just so ridiculous. It's a good movie. Uh, it's No, it's a good movie. I'm here to defend this. This is a good movie. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not like... It's a good giallo. It's a giallo. It's a, yeah, I agree. It's a giallo. It is definitely a giallo. There's a black gloved killer. There is a crazy twist ending. There's shadow. Yeah, it's, it's a giallo. I don't know if it's a great one, but we'll see. It's not high art. It's okay for it to be totally schlocky and make no sense. I'm fine with it. Like, it works. Maybe we we ought to explain the context that this thing came out. So um, this comes out in 1981. It's a year after Friday the 13th is this huge fucking hit. Mm. It is in the slasher boom. Like, after Halloween, all these studios rushed to get out their holiday-themed slasher. And if you look at the year 1980 alone, there are two New Year's Eve-themed horror movies, Terror Train and New Year's Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Christmas uh, horror movie called uh, Christmas Evil, uh, <laughs> another one called To All a Good Night. There's a wedding-themed horror movie called He Knows You're Alone, a prom night movie called Prom right. Night. Mother's Day comes out in 1980. Graduation Day comes out in 1980. Home Sweet Home, a Thanksgiving-based movie. So, like... A lot of holiday horror coming out. I love the idea that they're like, this movie's called Halloween. It must, that must be why people like it. It must be the holiday. Yeah, America is starved for holiday horror. I love how dumb studio executives are. They really are just the dumbest people. They just, you can't make that shit up. Yeah, you really can't. Yeah. It's not the good craft. It's not the Jamie Lee Curtis performance. It's not the music. None of that. None of that. It's holidays. There's something scary about holidays. It's the most shallow aspect of the film. So all these holiday movies are coming out and these producers are like, all right, well, we basically burned all the holidays. (laughs) What's a holiday that you can do any time of year that's not specific to you know, cold like Christmas or, you know, creepy masks like in Halloween. What's something that anyone can celebrate? And it's like, oh, birthdays. Yep. Everybody's got birthdays. We think they all do. I'm not sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we're going to make birthday horror. <laughs> and happy birthday to me was born. Yep. But yeah, this is, I would say, an elevated version of the schlock that was coming out at the time. You know, it's not a a classic of horror cinema. It's not alien. It's not Halloween. It's not the thing. It's not anything like that. But this is a, is a lot better than your, your average 1981 slasher. Oh, and you can tell the director is really, really, really trying, which is, you know, something I was kind of alluding to earlier. You do have a surprisingly confident hand, you know, steering this thing forward and also doing so in, in ways that, are effective. There's some horror imagery, particularly at the end, that is going to stick with you with the cake and the dead bodies. Like, that's that's like some Ari Aster shit, you know? Yeah. That whole just, like, last set in that birthday party room is some of the most disturbing imagery that will fucking stick with me. 
you know, I love Pearl, but it is the Pearl just stole the ending from this. I'm like, oh my god, I was very surprised to see it. Yeah, yeah some real like domestic horror shit too. Yeah, of like there is some dark history buried in this family unit that they kind of touch on, but they don't really reveal all of it. And actually, that was one of the things about this movie. I don't even know if it was intentional. But you can tell there's some weird shit happening between this daughter and her father. Kind of, you know, I mean, maybe like uh, a little bit. I felt like it kind of came out of nowhere at the end, though. Like as far foreshadow it, it enough. Yeah. To where we were talking about this with, um, I think, Deep Red, where you want about like 50 percent of the people watching to be able to predict the ending. You want to find that nice balance where like. Some people will be able to pick up on what's going on, but other people will miss it. This movie is too far in one direction where not enough people are going to be able to put those fucking pieces <laughs> No <together>. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, yeah. That's about a point zero 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 one to 99.999 split. Adam claims he got it. And no, then I know. Adam off guessed. Track. Adam I, threw no, 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 a no, no, knife no. up against a dartboard and hoped for the best. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I did guess. I'm not. No, yeah. I didn't know it. I and I certainly didn't know that that was going to happen. And by the time the killer was revealed, I had completely dismissed her as a possibility. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yes, guys, I was eh, extraordinarily surprised by the ending. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so we are introduced to. This girl, Bernadette, the beginning of the movie, walking her dog. She is a member of the top 10 of a local private high school, really like uh, uppity. They're high school students, right? They're not college students. They're high school students. Yeah. Yeah. Which is odd because they like hang out at bars. And they are, I think, the most incestuous group of kids I've ever seen next to our friends. Yeah, our friends. (laughs) I was about to say. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Surely a friend group doesn't exist like this in real life. Well, oh, boy. I'm confused what they're the top 10. <laughs> Welcome of. to my fucking social life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are they just the top 10 most popular kids? Is that the idea? It was my impression. Yeah, I don't know if it's like an official ranking or whatever, but I don't know if it's like the New York (laughs) Times bestseller list. But like everyone in town knows about them is the thing. They're like legends here. Yeah, it's one of those things where like people come and go from the group, but it's always 10. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. (laughs) So it's like if you want in, like somebody else better leave the group. You know, like, because our, our main character, Virginia, elevates to this group at one point. She's not always in the top 10, right? So it's clearly a fluid thing. Yeah, she's a recent member, right? Right. Uh, so, you know, she, she's heading to this pub, this local pub that all, like, the friars hang out at. And they sing, like, 100 bottles of beer on the wall. But for some reason, these high school students are allowed to just go and hang out. And drink, I think. I think they were drinking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No question about it. There are a couple punks. Just these people are just, they're causing a ruckus and ruining the lives of these old men, putting mice in their drinks. They kind of suck. So Bernadette is uh, heading over to the pub. There's actually a pretty good scene at the beginning where she like trips over a lady's dog leash and Mm. it like comes out of nowhere, like a whip and like she falls to the ground and that was pretty good craftsmanship there yeah but she goes to her car and is strangled by a black gloved killer in a very claustrophobic scene in the middle of this car it was weird the way that thompson shot it too like it looked like the the gloves kind of had a life of their own because like i couldn't really tell what was going on with the geography of the scene Oh, like how they got their hands. Yeah, the hands were kind of reaching around in ways that wouldn't really make much sense physically. But um, and and also you couldn't see the killer's face during this and neither could the victim, which I thought was kind of odd. But I don't know. It was cool. It almost looked like they were just hands, you know, her performance, too, is really good. Like the way she struggles and kind of contorts her body like she's being pulled back to she she this actress. I kind of wish there was more of her in the movie. She was actually quite good as a first victim. Uh, Right. Uh, But she is killed uh, right away. Actually, she fakes her own death heads off and then is confronted by the killer when we get one of those classic and we're going to say this a couple times in the movie but the old oh it's you slasher throat yeah bunch of those in the movie i do love a throat slash cut 
they did that a lot in these kinds of slasher films, and that was a, mm-hmm. a lot of all the kills are actually extremely effective, to be honest. So I'm giving the movie that. Uh, she dies. No <laughs> one notices really. They notice that she doesn't show up to the bar. Yes, but uh, it's sort of an afterthought. It's like yeah, I'm sure she'll turn up somewhere again. These are hooligans, right? So they they don't really care that much about each other. Is the thing? No, they really don't. Yeah. So they're at the bar. And uh, the kids decide we're going to go for a joyride after we're running from the Friars. By the way, no one's ever run from Friars before. Never one's, no one's ever been like, these guys are going to fuck us up. <laughs> Those guys in their fucking hats. You ever seen a Friar in a parade before? No, I actually have not. With their little cars? <laughs> no, I haven't. I don't think so. I'm not even really sure what a Friar is. It's like a fraternity. It's a fraternal order. It's guys that get together and drink and talk about things. But like in code, right? Um, they're like yeah. protecting like the America's treasures. Uh, let me show you a picture of the Friars' cars. I think it's the Friars. The Shriners are the little cars. Apologies, they have very similar hats. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, those guys. They go around in parades and they drive around in little mini cars. They're quite adorable. Oh, I've seen people like this driving around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen a guy like this driving around Plainville. Yeah, oh yeah, there's a fire, there's a or a Shriners thing downtown. But wait, just driving casually, like on the road with those things? I don't think they like run errands in those things. <laughs> well, I saw, so I saw a guy driving around at like four AM once. <laughs> what one the of those hell? In Plainville. Like the sun was barely up and this guy was just driving he was driving right down the street past the Dunkin' Donuts where the old GE building was. Oh. At four in the morning? Yeah. Did you look at each other and be like, what are you doing out? That guy was the killer. <laughs> kind of, yeah. That guy was the killer. And, but then you're thinking like, well, wait a minute. What am I doing out? <laughs> Who am I to judge him and his little car? The animals have come out. <laughs> Dude, let me just tell you, if you ever like go driving around town at 4 a.m. and just see the people that are out. I do not recommend that. I have done it. Oh, I've, I've it's, done it too many times to count. It's actually really scary. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Don't it's do really it. really scary. Yeah. Don't fucking do it. Yeah. I spent all of my teenage years doing that. <laughs> I would not recommend it. I used it. to like walk around town at 4 a.m. Like with. Oh, my God. What do you guys. What's the problem? You got to think that the, it, you know, the, the chances of these people being dangerous are exponentially higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never had a problem. Oh, my them. God. It's freaky as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I when I lived in Boston, I did that a handful of times. Like if I had insomnia or whatever, or the roommate was, uh, you know, with a lady. I, I would have to just wander the streets of Boston in the middle of the night. And it was, uh, you know, it was like after hours. It was like the Scorsese movie. Yeah, that happened to me all the time. And it's central. I just have to walk around at night doing nothing. The summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, me and two of my friends decided at like 4 a.m. or so around the same time that I'm talking here, probably to go hike up Pinnacle, which is the, the local cliff in, in our town. It's a giant. Yeah, big mountain. We're going to go hike up the mountain, uh, watch the sunrise. Now, we were not close to the mountain when we began our trek. It was like Lord of the Rings. We were having <laughs> a hike. We can't drive, so we're walking across town. Did you catch the sunrise? <laughs> we, we yeah, yeah, we did. We prepared some snacks at a time. And as we're walking, a cop is driving by, notices us, and is just following us for like half a mile, just following us walking. We're eighth graders. We, we look like kids just walking in the middle of the night. You are kids. Yeah. Yeah. He's following us for a half a mile and we know trouble's coming, but we just don't know when it's going to strike. And then finally, he turns on his light on us, his spotlight. We're blinded. He pulls over next to us and he gets out and he's like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're going to watch the sunrise at Pinnacle. We're going to throw a ring into a volcano. That's right. <laughs> First, we got to get second breakfast, and then we can throw the ring. <laughs> we all had our string bags on because we came prepared, you know. Did he check the bags? And he goes, yeah, can we look inside your bag? Oh, my like, God. Yeah, sure, if you want. There's some, there's some checks mixed in there. What an asshole. <laughs> he finds, we, we pre-microwaved bags of popcorn, so he <laughs> finds, like, microwaved bags of popcorn. <laughs> And uh like the cartels are really smuggling it in <laughs> through weird methods these days. And then he calls all three of our parents, and all three of our parents say it's okay to be out because we have awesome parents. What a fucking narc, dude. Wow. You know, we have we have awesome parents, and they were all like, it's okay, you can let them go. 
So they had to let us go when we went and saw the sunrise. That's elite parent behavior, dude. I love that. That's the fucking best. A cop Three calls you. Three separate sets of parents all corroborated our stories without knowing where we were. I mean, that's some elite snitches get stitches shit. Yeah. That's great stuff. The cops, the look on their face when they had to let us go, they were so pissed. <laughs> oh, man. I'm really proud of your parents, and I wish my parents would do the same, but I doubt it. Oh, I got I got the shit smacked out of me when I got home. <laughs> the, cop, the cops called. I got fucking rats, dude, as parents, man. Like, they would not have known the play. They would have, they would have folded like a fucking fortune cookie or some shit. Oh, man. I don't know how we got there. Sorry. I derailed this podcast. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> don't walk around at night. I think that's the moral. Oh, yeah, story. yeah. Walk yeah. around at night. It's safe. Yeah. It's safe, kids. <laughs> so uh, uh, th- these kids, when they're running from the, the friars, they decide to drive very fast onto the town's drawbridge, which happens to be drawing up as they run right through the little barricade that says don't go on here and uh, they play this game of chicken with each other where they all have to make the jump they have to use it as a ramp and accelerate fast enough where they they get over the gap and the first car to do it does it pretty easily then the second car has a harder time and then the third car does a big fucking nosedive and almost gets into a serious accident and the third car is carrying virginia who is the main character of the movie and whose birthday is approaching very soon. Yep. She is upset by this. Yeah. She is distressed. Understandably, it was a very horrifying incident. Very horrifying, but we do not really know the depths of the horror until later on in the film. All we know is that her reaction is very violent and scary. I mean, all on its own, it's a pretty scary thing. Yes. Yes. There's more to it, as you said, but. So she runs away. She ends up running to uh, her mother's grave site. Yes, for some reason. Which is conveniently placed right next to her home. It's nice to have it there, you know, whenever you need it. Whenever you need it. <laughs> Just, you know, right in the backyard, mom is buried along with, you know, a hundred other dead guys. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she goes to the grave as, as a daughter is wont to do with a giant pair of scissors and starts slicing around the the grave, all the grass to make sure that everybody can see it. Mm-hmm. When she gets home and meets her father, he's like, did you go back to the grave site? I told you not to go back to the grave site. We talked about this and she gets very mad at him. And so there is some tension because of something in her past. We don't know exactly what it is, but that will become very clear very soon. Have you been over there again? I don't know why it bothers you so much. Ginny, I thought we agreed. No, we didn't agree. You told me what to do. I don't even have the right to go visit my own mother's grave. Ginny, 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 please. Meanwhile, people start fucking dying in creative ways. Yes, they do. Many of these ways you can learn about on the poster of this movie. I wanted to talk about this. Yay. (laughs) Go for it, Nick. I just love this. The first line of the poster is just crazy. It just says... John will never eat shish kebab again. <laughs> With a picture of John, one of the victims, mouth agape, shish kebab full of, uh, you know, various meats and things. Yeah, you got your beef, you got your peppers, your onions. Yeah, the works. Entering his mouth at high speed and his eyes wide open, terrified of the stabbing that is about to happen to his uh, esophagus. Mm-hmm. And the paragraph continues. Yeah, it's a paragraph, by the way. <laughs> Stephen will never ride a motorcycle again. Greg will never lift weights again. Oh, God. Who is killing Crawford High's snobbish top ten? At the rate they're going, there will be no one left for Virginia's birthday party. Dot, dot, dot. Alive. Way to just tell us the whole plot. Yeah. <laughs> like, way to just reveal everything what a tagline though and then it says underneath happy birthday to me six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see Uh, more than six murders by the way i mean it's not exactly in space no one will hear you scream you know it's not exactly a teaser (laughs) it's kind of at the bottom it says uh pray you're not invited in very (laughs) small text which i think should have been much higher up and much bigger because that's actually a pretty maybe the only bit of text yes but that's (laughs) That's a good tagline right there. Happy birthday to me. Pray you're not invited. That's great. 
and the poster right there over no i'm looking at this again like we're really underselling how ridiculously verbose this poster is yeah <laughs> this is fucking nuts the entire bottom third is just filled with every actor's name even though it's got the best boy in there i mean it's i want to know who is stopping at a movie theater to read this the, the bottom you didn't even say the whole disclaimer there it says warning because of the bizarre nature of this party no one will be seated during the last 10 minutes pray you're not invited i couldn't even read that yeah that's like a disclaimer on the bottom like a warning for you know a a, a prescription or something who what were they <laughs> thinking who, who's reading this There's shit so much text on one poser it's a great image the image is fantastic they knock it out of the park <laughs> but i mean they write a whole fucking novel on this thing <laughs> why do they tell you how the people die i just why would they do that <laughs> So yeah, people start dying in all of the ways listed. Which which murder did you like the best? You know, I think the most shocking one for me was actually the weights. The weights is pretty sick. Yeah. For me personally, the thing with the um motorcycles cool, but it's like very very quick and there's a lot of like build up to when, you know, he's going to drop the weights <laughs> on himself. Just talked about this with Deep Red by the way. Don't wear jewelry, don't wear scarves cuz they can get stuck in things. That's right. The motorcycle one is hilarious because how the fuck does he not notice? The weightlifting one, the guy is doing a bench press and the killer comes in, helps him with the weight. This is the most ridiculous, oh, it's you moment in the whole movie because like just, he greets the killer as, oh, it's you. Yeah. And then proceeds to have a conversation with the killer for another five minutes without mentioning the name. And I don't, the killer doesn't say anything, obviously. Doesn't say a word. Which is so funny. <laughs> oh, it's you. Amelia's coming over with some stuff. She should be here any second. Hey, do me a favor. Slap on ten more, huh? They're wearing gloves, and it's not weird. Like, you're not going to be like, hey, why are you wearing gloves in my house? And what the killer ends up doing is uh, throwing the weights on the guy's nutsack over there. Well, I love, first, they drag away the bar to rest the barbell down. Of course. He's doing a bench press. He's got it held up perfectly straight, and it's a little too heavy for him. And they just pull away the thing for him to drop it. And he's like, oh, what am I going to do? It's like, <laughs> just drop it behind your head. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, you could definitely do this. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, not that hard to save your life, bro. Or you could just, like, lower it onto your chest and then, like, I don't know, move it. Yeah, move it off the of you. I don't know. It might hurt, but you'll be fine. Or don't be a pussy and just do a good another rep. Yeah, do 10 more reps, you bitch. This is where the gains are made, dude. And that last rep that you don't think you have the strength in you to do. Terrible form. He deserved to die. <laughs> Could not agree more. <laughs> um, we forget that there is also the fire iron uh, kill, which is also good. They're the fire sticker, rather. That's also a pretty good bloody kill that I liked. A lot of blood in that one. Bloody movie in general, too, by the way. Shish kebab, of course, great because it's on the poster. Mm-hmm. John will never eat shish kebab again. Again, a nice combination of sex and murder, which we we just love so much. Yeah, it's uh, my two favorite things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess what other murder? I mean, some of these are fake out murders. Some of these are murders that don't actually happen. Well, well, the best one is the bell tower one, which is just... By best one, you mean the one that makes no sense and sucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> this movie is basically red herring the movie. Yes, okay, I wanted to say <laughs> right, Let's just say that. Like, There is an entire element of our lead, like an entire element of her backstory that is just a red herring. And nothing else. Basically nothing else. Every single character is given a red herring scene. Mm -hmm. Every single one, except for the actual killer, which in hindsight should have been a tip off as to, you know, but their identity. that's ridiculous enough as it is. But the types of red herrings, the, the creativity of these red herrings is really something to behold because I was just not ready for it at all. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to identify any of the characters names because they all look the fucking same. Uh, but there is one guy that is a taxidermist that is also very good at modeling heads to look like his friends. Uh -huh. And it is revealed, you know, in one scene that Bernadette, the, the girl that disappeared at the beginning of the movie, her head is underneath a cloth in this guy's, like, studio. Yes. It's eventually revealed that that's actually a, a model of her head, but it's very lifelike. Extremely, yeah. Seems like he could be the killer. He is not the killer. There's another scene 
and I, I didn't really understand the premise of this, but when Virginia is in her bedroom, a guy sneaks in, I think this is the motorcycle guy, sneaks into her room, hides in her closet, and steals her panties, and it's like a very long, like, seven-minute scene, but we know that he's hiding in the closet the whole time, so I'm unclear, like, what the tension is. How did that resolve? I completely forgot about it. He just went that. out the window. <laughs> what did he do with the panties? He rubbed it in Virginia's face later, like, hey, I got these. Okay. I snuck into your bedroom like a creep and stole your panties. Okay. That's uh, convoluted as hell, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 80s, Adam. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. <laughs> that's what they did. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they did back then, man. It was a that's show of affection. <laughs> you could say the R word. You shove kids in lockers. That's it was right. a different time, you know? Use the R word. <laughs> they... they <laughs> <laughs> they, they they talked about this in the Video Archives podcast a lot, though, uh, that this is kind of a blending of the 80s sex comedies with the slasher movies of the time. Yeah. Actually, you know, it kind true. of has a lot of those, like, Porky's-style tropes. I see that. Yeah. You know, and, and that's definitely one of them, of, like, the guy hiding in the closet as the girl takes a shower. Well, a lot of this movie, too, like, that scene in particular gave me, like, a lot of, like, the first Scream movie vibes, too. The scenes with them at school are so much like Scream so yeah, and and that those movies as well also have a little bit of that in there where you know it's 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 soap opera e or like Gilmore Girls with knives and killing and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, not Gilmore Girls, Gossip Girl. Oh, Gossip Girl, my bad. Gilmore Girls is a delightful show. It's the best show ever. I fucking love that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, that guy, not the killer. There is a dude that invites Virginia up to a bell tower. It was one of the weirdest ones. Holds a knife to her face? The knife. Yeah. The way that he says it, too. I have a knife, Virginia. You know, if I cut this bell rope almost all the way through... Rudy, no. Virginia. I've got a knife. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. And, like, all he wants to do is cut the rope to the bell to prank the priest that comes in later. Well, he is a hooligan, as we've established. Yeah, but also kind of a lame prank. It's like, okay, he's going to yank on the rope and... The bell's not going to ring. <laughs> Got him. Maybe accidentally kill a priest. There's also that. <laughs> but there's this weird thing where Virginia sort of blacks out and runs away. And he's like, where'd you go? Like, I I was just cutting the rope and my hand started bleeding. Yeah, I mean, you're forgetting about the, all the blood the priest found. Like, Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so the priest goes to, they cut to a random scene where the priest rings the bell. And just like a shit ton of blood is just gushing down. And he's like, oh, I cut my hand all up. They're like. Bro, you fucking cut your hand off, like, the amount of blood that was on that rope. But this is actually the first major indication for me, anyway, that Ginny, you know, as everyone's going to be thinking at, at a certain point in this movie, that Ginny is actually the killer. Because they do a shot where she kind of acts scared, but the way they shoot it is she kind of stealthily sneaks off into the shadows. Right. So there's actually what ultimately becomes a double red herring going on in this scene. Cause the first one is dead obvious. And then her sneaking off into the shadows, like Freddy Krueger or something. I'm just like, wait a second. She's the killer. What the right. hell is going on here? <laughs> but then, you know, she blacks out during this sequence, right? Yeah. Misremembers things. And now we have the red herring to end all red herrings, which is Ginny's split personality, her, brain trauma from an accident that she got as a child. What's happening? Virginia, can you hear me? My birthday. She had like a lobotomy. This wasn't like I had an accident. This is like a, we cut your brain open and pulled pieces out. Yeah, that scene, by the way. Again, holy shit. The pulsating brain going out. The brain surgery uh, sequence is the most terrifying thing in the movie. It's fucked up, man. It's nuts. Again, malignant. Carryovers. <laughs> 
obviously the drilling. I don't like when drills oh, go into God. skulls. That's not great. The drilling's so bad. But yes, the brain sort of expanding and and flooding with blood and poking out of the holes. Like I don't know who thought of that idea, but that is just ingenious. Again, it's when you think about what actually happens at the ending, and you're like, "Why is this in the movie?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she has a history. This Virginia, her mother was nuts, schizophrenic. It seems like was a very like mommy dearest kind of performance by this lady. I thought yes, uh, Sharon Acker is the name of the woman that played uh, the mother. She does the Alfred Joker scene in Joker. That happens in the rain in this in this movie. I thought precisely the same thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We are on point today. <laughs> yes, that is exactly right. That scene from Joker is identical. I love it. Ginny had a birthday party years ago. Her mom put it on for her. No one came to the birthday party. Although they were all invited. They were members of the top 10, but nobody came because... Her friend Anne. Anne was having a birthday on the same day. And so in a fit of rage, her mother drives over to Anne's house. It's this giant gated mansion. And she yells at the Alfred character basically at the gate. Woman now. And I've back to shove it in their faces. <laughs> you hear me, Will Thomason? I can't be bought off ever again. <laughs> that night, the mother drives over the bridge that we see earlier in the movie, does not make the jump, and that is revealed to be the cause of death. Well, she did not make the jump as if she tried to make the jump. She got caught as it was going up. Yes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also hilarious because, like, when you watch that scene, she had every opportunity to get out of that situation, and she just made every wrong decision. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, 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 Virginia and her mother plummet to the, the river beneath, and Virginia is able to escape. They're able to open a... Window underwater wouldn't actually happen, but it's all right. We'll go with it. Sure. And for some reason, the mother gets caught inside. I'm not sure how and why, but maybe she can't swim. Plot reasons. Exactly. Exactly. So this is something that's clearly haunting Virginia. And again, the movie is setting up that she is taking revenge on these kids that didn't show up to her birthday party. Mm. Right. Yes. Pretty obvious at this fucking point. Yes. And that's really the only direction it can go in logically. I disagree. Because it doesn't. <laughs> well, you guys just don't like it because you couldn't predict it. You couldn't figure it out. Your smart little movie brains. Yeah, you remember last Christmas uh, and what happened with that <laughs> one? And <laughs> Well, that was a 99% of the audience can figure that one out. <laughs> that is not fucking true. No. <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys this. I had a dream like two weeks ago where I met Amelia Clark in real life. Oh, boy. And like, I was like, oh my God, hi, it's so nice to meet you. And I like took a picture with her and I was like, I loved you in last Christmas. <laughs> like, that was what I said to her. That was, <laughs> I'm not joking. That is what I said to her. Even I like her in last Christmas. She uh, is great. No, but that's another one where it's just like, how do you, <laughs> why is that leaking into your subconscious? He loves that movie. <laughs> what is that about? That's his favorite movie. <laughs> Jesus. Part of I remember part of the thought process is like say something to her that she's never heard before. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, poor Amelia Clark. <laughs> what fake Amelia Clark in his dream? We feel uh, bad for her. Now? I do feel bad for her. I really, but I unironically love that movie. So you know, split personality angle. Of course, they 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 go more flashbacks to like experiments that these doctors put her through like there's one scene where she rises from the operating table like she's frankenstein's monster you know they're they're poking and prodding at her brain they're doing all of these 
uh, you know, weird psychological experiments to her. And there's a psychiatrist in this movie played by Glenn Ford, who you might know as the dad in Superman, mm-hmm. the original Richard Donner Superman. Yes. He's, he's quite fun in this movie, although he's kind of slumming it. Yeah, but sure. He's having a good time, though. Uh, but he kind of becomes the de facto hero of the movie about halfway through when it's becoming more obvious that Virginia is the killer. He starts piecing together some of her backstory. He ends up getting killed by who we imagine is Virginia. In fact, we are shown that it is Virginia. No, no, no. For, for, from the audience perspective, it's Virginia. Yes. And there is absolutely no question in our mind. You couldn't possibly have a question in your mind that it's anybody else. We are shown Virginia stabbing him with a fireplace poker. Yes. He dies... Dad comes home. All this blood is in my house. All these people are dead. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> How long has he been negligent? That like these bodies have been sitting here for what weeks? That's well, that's the thing. I was kind of confused. Like, how long has this guy actually been away? I wasn't sure of that either. Yeah, he's out of town a lot. And in the flashback, as a matter of fact, he misses Virginia's birthday. That that's a, a point of that is made. Yeah, this seems like it matters, but really, it doesn't matter. <laughs> at all yeah i think at one point he says he's in caracas for his work and that made me think like what does this guy do for a living Mm, what could he possibly be doing in caracas sex trafficking i guess that's the only logical explanation literally the only thing i mean you've seen sound of freedom so you know (laughs) i have not oh come on you bought a ticket opening weekend i have not you bought five tickets no You're one of those people that bought tickets for other people. Oh, my God. Did Dana White buy you a ticket? (laughs) They do not have Dana White repping this movie, do they? Dana White bought everybody who works for UFC tickets to go see. That is hysterical. He was telling other CEOs, he's like, you should follow my suit. They're doing this gimmick where if you go to the website, the Sound of Freedom website, you can buy tickets for other people that can't afford it. So you can, like, donate, and that money is put into tickets for another waiting list worth of people. It's really incredible how hyperinflated these ticket sale numbers are for it's this movie. Hilarious. Yeah, it's it's amazing because like I mean, didn't it beat out uh the Dial of Destiny? But like the yeah, theaters are empty. It but not really. It beat out Dial of Destiny on the fourth of July. But Dial of Destiny did not come out on the fourth of July. And they counted pre-orders as the ticket sales for Tuesday. Right. It's so hyperinflated. It's amazing. That being said, it is still hilarious that it outperformed Dial of Destiny even in that inflated way. Yes, like, it's still fucking hysterical. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't brought in as much money, but, you know. Adam, as we all know, that movie was not about the money. It was about stopping child sex trafficking. That's true. Okay. It's a, it's a hero of a movie. Yeah. That's, sometimes movies are bigger than the money that they bring in. It is kind of crazy, though, to think that the movie was made, like, five years ago. Yeah, but, like, an actual studio, right? Wasn't it a Fox production? No, Disney, well, yeah, I guess Disney owned the rights and just sat on it, never released it for five years. Should we do Sound of Freedom on the podcast? I don't want to go to theaters and watch it, even though I'm sure I could get the tickets for free. Well, we have to stop. (laughs) Sounds like everybody else has. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd be completely comfortable talking about Sound of Freedom on the podcast. No, but like, what if we like it? Well, like, you know what I, I mean? Know, I like, we might. <laughs> I'm sure I'll see it this year at some point. Sure. I don't know. I, people, people that I know and I don't like think have bad opinions have said good things about it. And also a lot of people have said bad things about it. So I have not heard overwhelmingly negative things about the movie and i know the filmmaker himself is not known for like you know these types of movies if it's if it's supposed to be like a christian psa it's not right he doesn't do that he just was interested in the story so that that was reassuring but right the narrative around the movie is just so well it's just caviezel right (laughs) yeah it's not even the movie itself that seems to be the problem seems to be the people involved and which is not, it's also not fair to a movie no. to say, you know what I mean? It's not fair to be like, oh, well, Mel Gibson did a Twitter video about it. So now all of a sudden I can't see it. Like, yeah. that's kind of not. Look, I love Tom Cruise. Like, I love his movies. I mean. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, is QAnon worse than Scientology? <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we're splitting hairs here, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Next part. <laughs> so dad's out of town. He's in Caracas. 
Caracas, capital of sex trafficking. <laughs> right. So he's he comes back from Caracas and he goes to the cottage in the backyard next to the gravesite. He finds the grave of his wife dug up with like a, a girl standing there kind of in a state of shock. I couldn't tell. Has she been stabbed or what is she doing? What even happened to her? I totally forgot. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't really know. She was distraught and then disappeared. Something was cut. Could be, but she's standing there with a birthday present for Virginia. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we should mention, by the way, the day that her father comes home, it's Virginia's birthday. Yes. So he's not that bad of a father. He's there for her birthday. He finally. made it this time. This time, time well, yes. This time, yeah. I mean, oh, that's right. <laughs> he <laughs> enters the cabin, finds a table with six dead bodies seated in a circle. Decomposing that, like, really. Well, the mother is literally like a mummy. It's fucking disgusting and really good and re- ugh, really disturbing, actually. Yeah. Uh, and all of the murder victims are there, strung up. They're all wearing party hats, too. They sure are. <laughs> Which I fucking love. Great touch. And that's when we see Virginia walk in. Happy birthday to me. And she's got all the candles on the birthday cake. And it's like, okay, well, we saw it coming, but here's the moment that the movie has been building to, the split personalities thing. Yes, my my feeling was either that or even weirder. I was like, maybe it's the mom, because he was kind of talking like the mom a little bit. Maybe it's the ghost of the mom that's possessed this. Maybe it's possible. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Either way. It's Ginny. Got it. It's Ginny. Totally get it. I'm picking up what the movie's putting down. No problem. (laughs) <laughs> a little obvious about halfway through. I wouldn't have really structured it that way, but okay. You know, at this point, I was going, ah, that doesn't really make much sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think. <laughs> no. <laughs> at this point, I was going, this is a red herring. <laughs> Ginny coming in with the birthday cake. This is a trick. Um. So, uh, yeah, dad is really disturbed. Jenny, what did you do? What did you do? I tried my best to help you, but, you know, what? we couldn't outrun your past or whatever, right? It's awfully disturbing. And so dad sits down. She gives him a birthday hat, puts a little birthday hat on him, takes the knife out, looking very sinister as she's doing it, goes to cut the cake. Daddy, do you want a slice? And as I mentioned before, this is how the original script ended. I felt the movie ending. That was the yes. interesting thing. I was like, "It's en- oh my God, what a weird ending. I, I get it. And actually, I think in the script too, the voice of the mother does appear in VO. Interesting. Right? Of the daughter being looking at him sinisterly. Do you want a slice of cake? Maybe she's going to kill him. Maybe not, but we're going to cut to black. That doesn't happen. No. <laughs> what happens is that Virginia slits the father's throat. She gets up. She goes, all right. Now on to you. And we notice that there's another body sitting at this table. One that, you know, maybe eagle-eyed viewers would have picked up on, but I certainly wasn't looking for it. I noticed it, and I was looking at all the bodies at the table, and I noticed one of them had their head down, and I was like, I was like, why'd they do that? Who is that? I think I just considered freshly dead. Yeah, I didn't really question it too hard, but I was like, I was like, that's weird. Head down. She tilts the head on up, and who is it at the table? Quote, unquote, my sister, <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> we have two Virginias. Now, take a look. Take a good, long look. Done it all for you, sister dear. Since I ruined your last party, I've made certain nothing's going to go wrong this time. With everyone's help, they're all here, just as you always wanted. All seated around the table waiting to celebrate your birthday, your precious birthday. And as a special treat, they all get to watch you die. And then, of course, everyone's like, twins! Twins! Of oh, course! Twins! I've seen the De Palma movie. Like, Got of it. course. That's yeah. a classic Jalo twist. That's why she doesn't remember all of these killings. There was a secret twin. And at this point, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, movie. All right. All right. All right. Good job. 
But at this point, I was going, wait a minute, there can't be twins. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> no, you were not. That's hilarious. <laughs> Nick's still like, but guys, wait a second. I don't buy it. <laughs> Something don't add up here. It's fishy here. <laughs> No, evil twin, of course. Evil, evil twin. twin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. we've seen it. Look at us. All right, evil twin, right? <laughs> this movie. Oh. So the real Virginia who has been committing these crimes and questioning whether or not she has been committing them is laying there, knocked out, drugged, comes to her senses, looks around the table, realizes all of her friends are there along with her father, she's very upset. Then we get a struggle, and a mask is ripped off. And it is revealed that that secret twin is not actually a secret twin. Old man Jenkins. It's Anne, her friend, the one that shoved her into the car at the beginning of the movie. That's basically the only tip-off we get to the killer's identity. Well, also, the fact that she's not there for any of the events of the movie are kind of a tip-off that she should have been. Fair enough. And yes, so this is Anne hiding under the prosthetics that the taxidermist made for her. And this opens up a lot of questions. And then we get flashbacks of her drugging Virginia. <laughs> so funny. And Virginia getting knocked out, but not realizing that she's been drugged. This montage is hilarious. Right. Yeah, and we just I get a montage every time Virginia has been drugged. It's so funny. And the switch has been made. So she's able to commit crimes in her likeness. It's just like, oh, hey, it's you. Chloroform. Yeah, basically. Oh, hey, it's you. Chloroform. chloroform. Oh, hey, it's you. Chloroform. <laughs> These Jalo filmmakers love chloroform. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay, we're going, all right, this is a bit of a hat on a hat here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe a hat on a hat on a hat. We're really adding a lot of twists here. But what could the motivation be? Why would she be doing all of this? And then she launches into another evil monologue deserve to die you just like her a fucking whore your father's mistress and you're his daughter my sister something she never let my father forget that's why my mother left us she could never forgive him for having you it's all your fault You've ruined our lives. You should have died that night at the canal. You never should have been born! Virginia's existence bothers Anne so much that she seeks revenge. Kind of like the ending of Scream. Yeah. So this is the moment where Nick goes, aha, of course. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it the whole time. I knew it. Now that's an ending there. That makes sense. Um, and it's very confusing and crazy and wild. And I can't <laughs> believe that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's applying the masks? She's doing it herself the whole time? I believe so. No. <laughs> no, 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 she's not. She's You're, apparently the best makeup artist on the planet. Th that is fucking crazy. <laughs> and a master of potions and other poisons. Because, I mean, like, th that idea is crazy enough as it is. But as I said earlier in, in, in the pod, these masks, to, to give, so obviously, listeners, it's just the same actress playing multiple roles until the mask needs to be revealed. So. And a performance that I would call high on effort but low on skill. This actress is from, what's she from? Little House on the Prairie? Little House on the Prairie. Okay. She was one of the little girls in Little House on the Prairie. That's right. Eli Roth actually brought up on the Video Archives podcast, when he casts horror movies, he likes casting former child stars because of movies like this. It kind of adds to the horror that this staple of innocence from people's childhood end up becoming the killer later on. Well, in a way, that's partially a slightly different reason, but that's why Drew Barrymore works so well in Scream. Yes, yeah. right, exactly right. Um, right, the, sort of the inverse of that, yeah, but exactly um, right. When you see like a staple of your youth either get murdered or do the killing, mm -hmm. there's something very uncanny about it. But this twist doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense, and I guess it sort of rationalizes the uneven performance. I guess by default, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a good performance, but I get why it's all over the place now. Ah, uh, God, this movie. It works as a possession movie. It does not work as a fucking weird secret sister 
movie, but also I prefer this one. I think they made the right choice. It's weird. To, well, it's weird to say because it's like a it's a worse movie, but you're also like it's m- way more unforgettable. Because I will say, if it was a possession right. movie or if it was an evil twin movie, no no way it would have been as impactful for me. Because this is one of those endings that that will stick with me forever. It's just yeah. so. It's like a sleepaway camp ending. Oh my yeah 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 precisely. Yeah. It's just so out there and stupid and just doesn't work at all. But man, it just goes for the jugular and it works. It's just like I, I I'm. I'm dead. <laughs> you, right. you got me. But again, I just, <laughs> after I left the left, I was just like, yeah, like, why did she need to kill Ginny though? Like the mom's dead. She's <laughs> fucking dead. She died a horrible, she drowned in a river, in a car. Like it, it, what doesn't make sense is why she killed all the other friends. Yeah. That's what doesn't make sense. Her plan is stupid. Yeah. Like they all came to your birthday party. They all like you. Yeah. Yeah. She says this weird thing too, where it's like, I ruined your birthday a couple years ago. So now I'm going to ruin it again. Like, what, what kind of revenge are you taking here? You know? It, but she's trying to frame Jenny to, to look like the killer. I, right. Yeah. But like. Right. But like. Why not just kill her? But you know what I mean? Why not just Or just kill her? the dad. Just kill the dad and frame her. Like, you don't need to kill everybody. I mean, it's kind of the same rationale as Murder Rock, right? Like, yeah. Why not just kill the guy? Instead, I'm going to kill all of my students to frame him for the murder. It is funny how they are similar in that way. Yeah. But I'm just like, that's a lot of work. Like, right. That's a lot of rigmarole to make this work. I just, I just, just kill her. Sure. Just kill her. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's dope. It's kind of good. It's not a good movie, but it's a notable one. And it's, it's pretty fucking sick. Guys. It's fun. No, no, it's, it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Did well at the box office, ten point six million dollar gross on a three point five million dollar budget. Not bad. Everybody has a birthday, you know, and the the uh, producers were like, "Yeah, we did it." Holiday based <laughs> horror movies. Everybody's got a birthday. Pots and pans. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> <laughs> guest of the year. <laughs> we just did two pods on a. Wednesday night. I mean, give her a break. No. Got to make dinner at some point. <laughs> no, we were it's waiting for the cameo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. Um, our Barbenheimer podcast will have been posted by now, I think. So you can check that out on the Movie Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, 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 we enjoyed those movies. We haven't seen them yet, but that's, that's right. You'll you'll have heard our opinions before us, I guess. Yeah, and if you're into. Asteroid City or Mission Impossible. We'll also talk those. Oh, we'll hit those on that show for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll get out to the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie by then. Maybe I'll have Good some thoughts Lord. on that. Hot take. I think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is going to be pretty good. I think it's the same people that made uh, Mitchell vs. the Machines. So maybe it'll be good. Uh, the original from 1990 is one of my favorite movies of all time. So. The 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yep. Why is that not something I know about you? I don't know. I fucking love it. How has that not come up in conversation? (laughs) Dude, I love the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles more than most things. That is crazy. Like, we have exhausted so much conversation capital over the years. Your love of that movie, I don't think has ever come up once. Wow. Well, it's... There hasn't been many many instances where we just get into casual conversations about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I love it about as much as the original Babe, and that should tell you a lot. Wild. Yeah, I fucking love it. Uh, love ya. We'll see you next week. Happy birthday, you fuckers. Happy birthday, Nico. You old fuck. <laughs>